Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 24, we'll begin to read at verse 13, we'll read to the end of the chapter, and we will look at the word of God, especially as it's in verse 34 in this chapter. The first 13 verses give to us the resurrection of Christ on the first day of the week, the visit of the women to the tomb, and their returning to the church to the apostles in the upper room and they at that time the words of the women seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not now verse 13 brings us to the afternoon or the latter part of resurrection sunday verse 13 of luke 24 and behold two of them went the same day to a village called emmaus which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs, or seven miles. And they talked together of, of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, 
saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. For they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from on high. And he led them out as far to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. May the Holy Spirit also write the word, Amen, in our hearts. This morning we look at verse 34, the words of the gathered church, the moment the two travelers to Emmaus entered into the upper room saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared unto Simon. <clears throat> the two travelers to Emmaus, who had made a very fast return, seven miles, to find the disciples and them with them gathered in the upper room, these two travelers believed that they had the most important words that anybody could possibly ever hear. Their eyes had just been opened to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ in their presence. And in their excitement, they vowed that they would return to bring this message of a risen Savior to the gathered church. It was especially what Jesus had said to them on their journey to their home of how he opened to them the Holy Scriptures. And they said, Did not our hearts burn when he opened to us the Scriptures? Now this gospel message of his resurrection, we must return. We have something to say. They came to the upper room. 
in Jerusalem where the disciples were behind locked doors. No doubt they had to knock. The door sprung open, but before, before they even have a chance to say one word, bursting forth out of that room from the voices of many are the words, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. Before they can get one word in, the church herself is testifying, the Lord is risen. And he's appeared to Simon. Only then, verse 36, only when when they first had to listen, only then could they explain what had happened to them. When you knock on the church door this morning, and the door opens to you, before you can say anything, are the words, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared unto Simon. Verse 34 is the church's joyful, spontaneous, excited, irrepressible, blurting out, the gospel of the resurrection. The gospel of the resurrection, the whole truth is summed in these words. The Lord is risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon. There we have the fact of the resurrection and we have the grace of the resurrection. We have the fact of the resurrection. The apostle Paul in that well-known passage, 1 Corinthians 15, on the resurrection, begins in 1 Corinthians 15, probably with his eye upon this very event of our text. And he begins there, as you might recall, with the fact of the resurrection. He says to us, I delivered unto you that which I have received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he arose again from the third day according to the scriptures. I brought you these facts, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And then he adds, and was seen of Cephas, was seen of Peter. The fact, Jesus Christ is risen. This is a fact. He is the living Lord right now. He is not in the tomb. He is not a memory. He is a living Savior. And the grace. He came to Simon. Who had so terribly denied him. That's God's word to us. That's the word that we say. To each other as well. That's the word that we hear in the gospel. The Lord is risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. We must not nothing. Muffle that from our ears. We must not muzzle that. We must not mute that. The world and the devil is at work today to mute that. We have another holiday called Easter. Have a good holiday, they say to you. Easter is a holiday. It's about Easter eggs and bunnies and but no mention of this fact. Jesus Christ is risen. And sits enthroned ruling over all things as the living and only Lord. But we also can easily muffle this glorious gospel 
and our thoughts can consume us as we come to church with all the things of this life, with all of our burdens and cares. Perhaps our past haunts us and our sins. Perhaps the sorrows of heart and soul so grab hold of our hearts that we can't see this gospel. We must hear the gospel which fills our hearts, the church today and every day, which captures all of our thoughts and our hearts. The Lord is risen indeed. Is he risen for me? Does he really know me and what I did this past week? Will he even look at me? He has appeared to Simon. I call your attention to the resurrection gospel from this text. We see that this gospel is true. This gospel is gracious. And this gospel is joyful. The Lord is risen indeed. By the word indeed, we understand it to be saying this is a fact. In very fact, the Lord Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus' bodily resurrection that morning had slowly been established among the disciples and the church. They began that morning, all of them, in unbelief. Verse 11 of the chapter 24, their words, the words of the women, were to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Slowly, that unbelief is removed, but there are still, even at this moment in our text, doubts because of joy. Look at verse 41. And while they yet believed not, that's all of them gathered together in that room, for joy and wondered. There was a different struggle there. That is, they could not understand the wonder of the resurrection. They struggled then by questioning and not understanding the resurrection on that morning. Thomas wasn't the only one who struggled with unbelief. As we just saw, the, the apostles, when the women and when Mary Magdalene returned with the message of the angels, they did not believe. And then, according to Mark chapter 16, that when these two from Emmaus come, verse 12, and after he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the residue, neither believed they them. There were two things. There was, first of all, they didn't believe it until they saw him. And then secondly, they could not grasp the wonder of what this resurrection was. And we must not this morning shake our heads at them and say that we would have been different because they are standing before death. And death is certain. And death is inescapable. They had seen Jesus die a horrible death. They had seen his agony and his pain. And it is only gradually that the doubts of unbelief are changed to wonder and praise. And even then, they struggle to comprehend exactly 
what it means that he's risen. The overwhelming, wonderful truth of that. We must understand that we must not judge them, but we must understand that it is only by faith through the word of God that we come to understand this. The facts of his resurrection had been established. Jesus Christ is risen, they say. The disciples that morning, that day, had been gathering facts. Men need facts. What happened? What did the angel say? What are the facts? The women that day needed appearances. They needed to see him. All of them that day needed the word of God. In fact, Jesus himself uses the word of God to establish the fact of his resurrection. The men had discovered that the facts were these. The stone, which had been sealed by Pontius Pilate, was rolled away. The grave was empty. The grave clothes had been left undisturbed. Luke tells us, and John tells us, that after they received the message, the men, after they received the message of the resurrection, that they went to the sepulcher, Peter and John. Uh, Peter goes into the tomb, and John follows him in, and they see the grave clothes undisturbed, as if Jesus had gone through, and he did. He went through the grave clothes, and the napkin laid aside that is someone intelligently was there, but he's not there anymore. And after that, there had been numerous appearances of the Lord to the women, to Mary Magdalene, to the women who were returning from the tomb. They fell at his feet and clutched him. And then sometime after, there was the appearance to the two travelers to Emmaus. And then after, we were also told that during that day, the Lord appeared to Simon. So sometime after the two appearances, first to Mary, then to the group of women, later in the day, he appears to the two travelers to Emmaus. But sometime in between, the Lord appeared to Simon. We'll have more to say about that in a moment, but... We're not told anything about that appearance, simply the notice that the Lord appeared to Simon. And the fact that Simon, Peter, had evidently told everyone in the upper room that night that the Lord appeared to me. But even though they had all these facts, and even though they had all of these appearances, yet the truth, the truth, was slow for them to absorb into their hearts the truth that he was risen. Yes, he is risen. He's not in that grave. That they understood. But we need to understand that what they were witnessing when they saw the Lord and when they came before and when we come before the resurrection this morning, what they were witnessing is something that had never been seen on earth before. They were witnessing something that will never be seen on earth again until the Lord Jesus himself returns in the last day. 
what they had to get and what we need to get is that in this resurrection, they are seeing the immortal Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. That he has not simply come back in the flesh into this world, but that he now has passed on and he is not subject to death and he is the Lord over death and sin and hell. That he stands before them in glorified human flesh. A resurrected body which is able to live eternally. A body which is able now to live in the very presence of God. This is what the Apostle Paul teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. This is what they were seeing for the first time on earth. Immortal life in the body. 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle, speaking of the grace, according to God's own purpose, that was given to us before the world began in Christ. And then he says that grace, verse 10, is now made manifest, note the words, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought life and immortality. The word appearing that he uses, the appearing of our Savior, that's the word epiphany. That's a great debut of shining grace. The apostle uses that word selectively. And he's referring to the fact that on the day of the resurrection, there was something that appeared on earth that had never been seen before. He uses the word appearing to refer to the birth of Christ because then on his birth there was something that had never been seen on earth before. God in the flesh. There was an appearing of the grace of God when the Son of God was born as a babe in Bethlehem. Now also for the very first time there is an appearing There is a debut. There is a shining out of what has never been seen before. Immortal life. He has not simply come back, but now immortality has been revealed. And this, this is what the church is struggling to understand. You must understand that the disciples and the women in the upper room had witnessed the resurrection of the dead before. We must not say, well, if we had been there, we would have been able to figure it out quicker than they. They had witnessed. We have never witnessed, but they did, resurrection. They had witnessed the Lord when the widow's son was being taken in a cart to the cemetery. They had witnessed the Lord stop the briar and lift him out of the coffin and restore him whole to his mother. They had witnessed that tender scene with Jairus and his daughter in the room, and she was dead, and the Lord going into that room with the parents and his three closest disciples and raising her, Talatha Kumi, and that 12-year-old girl stood up from the dead. They had seen a dead body 
restored to life. They had seen that. We've not seen that. And then even more, they had witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus who had been in the tomb. Jesus called him after four days out of the tomb when during four days his body had decayed and yet the power of the Lord had raised him. But they all came back to this life. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not that. They came back to their life of sin. They came back to their life of death. All of them that I just mentioned sinned again. They got sick again. They cried again. They bowed their head in sorrow again. And they died again. But not Jesus. And the disciples sense that this is different. He has brought his body to immortality of life, not subject to death, able to stand in the presence of God, able to be before his throne. That's what is different here. That's the first time that this is seen on earth. And they needed Jesus to teach them and to show them what that meant. That his flesh and blood had changed. That there was no curse over his body. There was no death in his body. That it was fitted now for the throne of God. That he could walk in that body with the angels. He could go in that body to heaven right now. That he could stand right now before the sea of crystal in that body. This is resurrection day. Jesus Christ did not cheat death. Jesus Christ did not rob the grace of his prey, of its prey. Jesus Christ destroyed death and the power of death. He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. And this is the gospel that is proclaimed today. The Lord is risen indeed. That's the truth of the gospel. The scriptures tell us this. He has brought to light immortality. This is a fact. We do not say this morning, well, maybe that's so. It's nice to think so. But this is a fact. And this is the gospel that we preach today. Christ crucified and risen. We know it from the Holy Scriptures. We know it also because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us alive, has implanted by grace His own immortal life in us by faith so that we will never die. We know He is alive because by grace He lives in us. Is that true of you today? Is this your confession today? The Lord is risen indeed. He has destroyed death, the grave to hold, the guilt of sin, even hell itself. He's obliterated them and he has brought us 
to immortality and eternal life. He's risen indeed. It's not only a fact, but the Holy Spirit this morning in our text wants us to focus on the utter graciousness of this fact and hath appeared to Simon. Those words added and hath appeared to Simon, Simon Peter, who denied him, reveal the grace of God seen in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about God's wonderful grace to sinners. It's about those who by the Holy Spirit this morning know not only their unworthiness, not just unworthy, not only simply not deserving, but we are ill-deserving. The grace of God coming to those who by His grace can't look up, who know their sin. And the church and the eleven sense that. They sense that his resurrection is different. It's immortal life. They sense that. But they also sense that his resurrection is all about grace. And it was that grace that was permeating their hearts. This grace of God that was coming to them through Jesus Christ, his cross and his resurrection. For what did they add? What did they add that day as they blurted it out to the two travelers to Emmaus? What did they say? The Lord is risen indeed, and we're going to go to heaven. The Lord is risen indeed, and Mary Magdalene says she saw him, and he spoke to her and said, Mary. And the moment he said, Mary, her eyes were opened, and she saw him. Is that what they said? That's all true. All of that happened. What, what did the church say? The Spirit led them to say what? The Lord is risen and hath appeared to Simon. Simon, who so terribly denied the Lord. It's all about grace. They sense that. They call him Simon, not Peter. You remember that Jesus gave him the name Peter, Rock. But he's often referred to as Simon Peter. Because Simon is who Peter was of himself. And they knew all about Simon. They had lived with him. They had seen all of his weaknesses. Simon Peter loved the Lord. Simon Peter had faith in the Lord given by the Holy Spirit. But Simon, Simon Peter, is the picture of us in all of our sinful pride. Peter, as a disciple of Christ, had lived as if he's, in all of his boasting pride, he had lived on a quarter inch of ice. He walked. Children just think of walking on a lake with a quarter inch of life, of, of ice. 
And then imagine someone just striding around as if it's not a quarter inch. And then imagine someone coming along and stomping on the ice, like you stomp on the ice to see if it's solid enough for you to skate. That was Simon Peter. He believed the Lord, yes, but he could fix it. He could handle it. He knew what was right. He knew how to account. He knew. He always knew. Just as ourselves in our own pride. And then one day, Simon Peter, an inch, quarter inch of life, ice, said to Jesus, I'll never betray you. Others could fall into that sin. Not me. He jumped up with both feet on a quarter inch of ice and he went through. And he would have drowned if it had not been the Lord who was risen and appeared to Simon. Peter, this self-assertive, this take charge, this, this man who knew better than the Lord, this proud man, As we're all this proud, sinful person, filled with ourselves. He denied his Lord. His entire spiritual life was shattered. His shame was not private. His shame was public. They all knew it, what he had done. And Peter was cast down. And though he could not forsake the disciples... He didn't really want to be with them. He had sinned so deeply that human words, human companionship could not help him. He was filled with bitter self-loathing of his sin. There's nothing so marvelous as the risen Lord. The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Risen Lord Jesus Christ only appears to a Simon. We're not told when, as I said, we're not told where he appeared to Peter that day. We're not told what Jesus said. We're not told what Peter said if he said anything. It's very confidential. Because when the risen Lord comes to Simon, even today too, right now today with you and me, it is very personal. It's just Peter and Jesus. It's just Jesus, the risen Lord, the Lord of glory and the Savior and the soul of Peter. It's just his Savior and his sins. The Lord appeared to Simon on the day of the resurrection. It wasn't for the purpose of restoring him to be a disciple and apostle. It was not for the purpose of restoring him to the fellowship of the church. It was for Peter's own soul. The relationship that God had made, that Christ had made with him, and the terrible sin of Peter which had fractured that relationship. 
in that meeting, we do have some hints about what Jesus said. You know that that meeting had to do with the word conversion. For Peter had, Jesus had said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, but I have prayed for you. And when thou art converted, care for thy brethren. When thou art converted, this meeting was about the grace of God that changed Peter, that gave him to see his pride, gave him to see his sin, what it was, and the roots of that sin. And this meeting was not only about conversion of Peter, but it was about forgiveness. It was about pardon. It was about the Lord saying to him, Look at my hands and my feet. For in these wounds is the gospel that you have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins, according to the riches of God's grace. Perhaps the Lord said to him, Peter, you know I saw you when you were denying me. And Peter had. Jesus was led out of the room of Annas, and he looked down into the courtroom when Peter, in his third denial of Jesus, cursed and swore. And he looked up, and their eyes met. Have you had that experience? You're in that sin. And your eyes meet with Christ. And Peter had gone out and wept bitterly. But the Lord said, Peter, my eyes were on you always. When you wept without consolation, I was always there, Peter. You were not forsaken. Never were you forsaken. Peter, I forgive you. The Lord did not stand aside from him. The Lord came to him and said, Peter, I forgive you. I said a moment ago that this building, or I should say right now then, that this building is full of Simon Peter's. Because the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to Simon. It's not to Pharisees, and it's not to scribes. If this morning you or I are Mr. Better Than Others, if you are Mrs. Righteous, in myself. If you or I are Miss or Mr. We got it all together. We know. We can do this. If we are those whose hearts are just all entangled with this world and have no time for spiritual life, then you, we, will bear the burden alone. If it's all of us, and if life is all about me, then you must do your life all alone. But the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ today is that it's to Simon Peter 
the Lord hath appeared to Peter. It's all about God's restoring grace. He has appeared to us as the author of our salvation. He's accomplished all of our salvation. He's removed our guilt, sin, and death. We shall not die because we belong to the risen Lord Jesus. And therefore the words of the church, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon, are joyful words. They were not mundane words. They were not words looking to the ground, but it was words in which the gospel was shining from their eyes and reverberating from their mouths. The Lord is risen indeed. God's Marvelous grace has reached down. He has appeared unto us, unto Simon. He has brought salvation. It was the joy of victory. We must yet battle our sins. We must still carry about this sinful nature. We must still carry many sorrows and burdens of heart. But we know that nothing can separate us from the power of His love. It's not only a joy of victory, but it's a joy of hope. We have hope that will never make us ashamed. We shall not die, but we shall live. Our bodies, even though we go through the grave, one day our bodies, this my body, shall be changed. And it's still more, it's a joy of boldness. Peter and John and all the disciples through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, are now bold to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not foolhardy, not pig-headed, not arrogant, not you-can't-tell-me-anything, but bold. Bold in a humble, convicted faith in Jesus Christ. Bold in the knowledge that we are now more than conquerors, through him that hath loved us. This morning, on the resurrection morning, the church was gathered with the eleven and those that were with them. This morning, the upper room where the gospel and where Christ comes is right here. Right here. We have come together in his name. And this morning, this is the word that we speak to each other and always. This word answers all of our need. Whatever that need is that you have, this is the answer to it. The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Even though thy word is always spoken to us in weakness, so also we know that on the day of the resurrection, the Lord himself opened the scriptures. And it was the exposition and the preaching of scripture that brought them to faith. So also we have heard thy word this morning. We pray that that word may now convict us, may identify to us our immortal Savior, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
and that we may stand in the wonder, the absolute wonder of his grace to us. We pray these things in his name. Amen.